Hope springs eternal on Thursday night for all 32 NFL teams, whether you are the last place Jacksonville Jaguars or your Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. All 32 teams get to start fresh with the NFL draft Thursday evening. This is the BetUS NFL show, and it is our NFL draft special. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let me go ahead and introduce our experts for the day. We'll start off with Scott Kellen. You can follow him over at at Sixth Sense NFL. Scott, how's everything going? Uh, very good, Gary. Good to be here. And uh, looks like we got a great group to uh, talk a little NFL draft uh, today. So excited. A lot of guys that seem to know what they're talking about, for sure. <laughs> We've got Ed Fang from The Power Rank. You can follow him on Twitter at The Power Rank. Ed, how are things with you? I'm doing fantastic. One of my favorite times of year is the bet, so excited for this conversation. Oh, most certainly. And we, of course, have T.A. You can follow him at Cleve, T-L, or excuse me, T-A-C-L-E-V-T-A. Let me spell that out. T.A., how you doing? I'm good. Easy for you to say. Uh, thanks for having me. But, uh, yeah, this is a great time of year. It's good, you know, no actual football, but this is as close as we can get. So uh, excited to talk some props. Oh, ye of little faith. Apparently, you've not been paying attention to the USFL, my friend. I have not. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is, of course, what everybody is interested in. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we have seven rounds. We take the best college football players. We put them in two different slots in the NFL, and I am ready to discuss it. We are going to talk a lot of picks today, our best bets for the NFL draft. So why don't we go ahead and start off with them? The first one on the board will be pick number one, and there has been a lot of talk about who will go first to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The favorite last week was Aiden Hutchinson. He is the defensive end edge rusher over at Michigan, and he was at minus 170 last week, somewhere around there, and this week he is now plus 175 in some spots, Uh, but it looks like the favorite is Trevon Walker, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. And that will, I will go ahead and tell you, that is my pick for this. I, I, I had Walker at plus 180 last week, and now he is the odds-on favorite. Somebody else's thoughts here, you know, Walker did not have a ton of production at the college level, but he, he charted just ridiculously at the combine, and he projects to be really, really good in the NFL this looks like someone that Balky would be really interested in down in Jacksonville. Uh, Scott, let me go on and get your thoughts on this first overall pick. Is this just a smokescreen of some being the number one pick? Uh, I think it very well could be, Gary. I mean, f- the first thing to kind of note, I think, with the NFL draft, when the lines move like this, it's usually uh, based on some smart money that at least feels like they have a clue. Um, you know, obviously, nobody knows for sure. Um, and, and I think Trent Balky, the, the GM there, he's always kind of focused on the, uh, the traits and the measurables. And, you know, kind of like you said, I think Trayvon Walker uh, exhibits that, even if Hutchinson maybe is the better player possibly. So I think some of those things have helped move this. Kind of a long shot would be maybe be the offensive tackle from NC State. I think Doug Peterson likes him a lot. Uh, you know, and I'm looking at him, he's plus 400 right now. Uh, that's probably not even good enough odds, quite frankly, for that. Um, given I don't think anyone truly feels he's going to go, but if those odds odds were a little bit higher, possibly a long shot there, but I think it's, uh, probably Walker more likely than not. 
Ed, talking about that offensive line section there, uh, obviously Evan Neal from Alabama, uh, Iki Kwanu, who Scott just brought up, uh, is there any kind of potential value, or is this really we're looking at a defensive line selection here for the Jags early? I, I'm not sure that there's any value anymore. I grabbed some Walker at plus 190 when I saw one of the sports books. It was a little bit late moving it. I was uh, in Ohio and texting people. I you know, couldn't bet online there, but uh, I was at a soccer tournament and had to get in touch with some people before that line went poof, and, and it did. And um, you got to remember the history of this number one pick. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was the favorite during the football season. And then uh, that changed over to Evan Neal um, went after the after the season was over, heading into the combine. And then, uh, you know, Jacksonville made some moves at the tackle position. And then all of a sudden, uh, Aiden Hutchinson was a favorite for a while. And now late, we're getting this information that, that Trent Balky wants, Trayvon Walker. Not what I would do with the pick. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that leaves Aiden Hutchinson to go to Detroit at number two. Obviously, nothing set in stone yet. A lot can change before uh, 8 p.m. tomorrow. But, uh, you know, it's just such a different situation than last year when, what, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was minus 10,000 at this point (laughs) to be the first pick. Uh, So it leads to a lot of excitement, and I think that's kind of the fun of this draft. Like, we're we're actually getting some fun action on on the top picks, and and that's simply because there's no quarterbacks up there. You've got that right. T.A., uh, whatever ends up happening with this number one pick, whether it's Walker or Hutchison, et cetera, it could shift what ends up happening in the top five. Uh, the odds early last week were Kayvon Thibodeau was going to be number two. Well, if Hutchison is there, then that kind of changes everything, right? Yeah, and I've heard, I'm sure other guys on the panel have heard the same thing. There was uh, rumblings, uh, rumors uh, late last week about some real, real sharp action on Thibodeau going to <laughs> It's kind of a um, you know secret that's that's been out there, but so it's in- pass on the hometown kid in Hutchinson. Um, he's a very very clean prospect, and you know you're talking to somebody here. I've got a little piece of almost everybody at number one. I've got Hutchinson at plus five hundred. I got I kind of got lucky. It was right after the combine. I got it at the morning of the Cam Robinson um, franchise news, so I got him at the peak, and then when the um, Jaguars um you know decided to franchise cam robinson you know that number cratered uh and then when i started seeing rumblings about walker potentially um going one there was rumors a couple of weeks ago i grabbed yesterday uh when i saw the report from daniel jeremiah that you know doug peterson wants the the, the potentially the tackle from nc state i grabbed aquanu at plus 400 so i have a little bit a little bit of all three at uh, 380 or better so i feel pretty good about that and you know really hard for me to lose that unless it's evan neal obviously but um but yeah i mean if, if they do go walker at one uh i still think hutchison's gonna go too it just it seems like too big of a leap to to, to take thibodeau there over over hutchison but you never know i mean his um, you know, the, like I said, there was steam late last week, so somebody knows something. We'll we'll see what happens, but uh, but yeah, I, 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 at this point, I don't think there's any value at number one anymore. But uh, you know, I would, if I had to guess, I would say Hutchinson two and uh, Walker one. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has been the projected number one position in this draft for three years now. I mean, he he kind of had the right. Jadavion Clowney thing, mm-hmm. uh, and now of course you get here and everybody has nitpicked him apart, and I'm sure he's still going to be great. But, uh, but obviously, we will talk about him here in just a little bit. Let's move on to the next section, and that's going to be position groups. How many in each position group will be drafted in the first round? Now, we are focusing on Thursday night. We're focusing on the first round. 
uh, in this position, I'm going to start off with running backs here. Now, T.A., you and I both, uh, we like the running backs here. We like under one-half running back being taken in the first round. I believe the odds currently are uh, minus 260-ish roundabout. Now, last week, I got it at minus 170. It's all the way to minus 260. I still like it at minus 260. I don't know of any running back that would really fit or have value in this first round. Brees Hall, widely speculated to be the first running back taken in this draft, but he doesn't have that same burst, that same pass-catching ability, et cetera, that you had out of Najee Harris uh, or Etienne last year out of Clemson. I, Unless somebody really surprises us here, do you see any way a running back is taken in the first round, T.A.? No, I don't. I do like the under a half. I mean, we're, we're starting to get a little, little expensive uh, when you get to 260, but they're still... I think it's still good value. Um, and that's the one thing you have to understand. I think when people see a large, um, you know, laying so much juice there, typically you shy away from it, but there can still be a lot of value. And I think there still is. I have it at m- minus 190. So um, feel a little better about that, but I still think it's okay. And like you said, uh, you know, Hall and Walker are really the top two candidates at running back. Uh, I think Hall is at 39. That's his over under draft position and Walker is more in the fifties. So um, and then you look, it's not even just the, the the guys themselves aren't that great. It's who's drafting at the end of round one, which is where, you know, you could possibly see one if there was actually a quality, you know, running back there. But none of the, the teams in the back half of the first round are going to take him. Um, you look at the Lions, uh, you look at uh, Tampa, look at Kansas City, like they're all pretty set at running back. The, the Bengals have Joe Mixon, like there's really no need there like the Steelers had with Najee Harris last year. So I think the combination of no need and then just, you know, not no real standout at running back this year makes this kind of an easy bet for me to take the under. The same here. Uh, we will move over to quarterbacks. Uh, Scott, you and I both went in on this one and quarterbacks under three and a half in the first round. Uh, it is all the way out to minus 270. I believe it was minus 170 last week. It's minus 270. Now, uh, not as much hype about this quarterback class. And I mean, that's understandable at this point. Kenny Pickett, uh, has his flaws. Malik Willis has his flaws. Uh, people will talk a lot about them, and they have talked about Matt Corral possibly going to the Seahawks. I don't know that there's any way that they take him in the first round, but again, uh, we're getting three quarterbacks in the first round. If it goes to four, we lose the bet, but Scott, I'm I'm curious your thoughts here. Minus 270, uh, still a decent price to take under three and a half quarterbacks. Yeah, I think so. I think like TA said, you know, sometimes it gets a little expensive, but I think it's still a very good shot this happens for a few reasons. Number one, none of these quarterbacks are fantastic quarterbacks, you know, compared to recent drafts or maybe even next year, which, you know, has to be a little thought uh, from, from for some of these teams as well. Um, you know, if there's more and better quarterbacks next year, they might just wait potentially, especially if they're not going to be a good team this year anyway. Um, and there's really, you know, there's probably four teams that need a quarterback, uh, you know, potentially. Um, and, Again, with there not being a whole lot of great quarterbacks in there, it's just it's hard for me to see more than three quarterbacks going in the first round. Um, additionally, you've got a couple quarterbacks out there, like a Baker Mayfield, for example, that potentially could be traded. Now, I've heard rumblings that those trades could come after the draft. But still, if one of those teams thinks they need a quarterback and they want to take a shot at a Mayfield, for example, um, you know that might eliminate them from possibly drafting a quarterback as well. Um, the, the, the two caveats to this, I guess, 
Detroit could just completely surprise everybody and take one early. I don't think that's going to happen. Sometimes you start to see a running quarterbacks. But again, you know, even Carolina at six, you have to question, unless Carolina moves back, do they want to take a quarterback with the sixth pick um, just because these quarterbacks aren't deemed to be fabulous for, for a draft this year? And I guess the one other caveat, you could get a team late in the first round that steps in and, and gets the 31st, 32nd pick. And there is some value to taking a player in the first round versus the second round or later. So that's always hanging out there. But I still don't think there's more than three quarterbacks that you could really um, defend a team taking in the first round this year. So I think the under three and a half still has some some pretty good value despite the high money line price. Yeah, the value that uh, that you were talking about, Scott, having them in that first round for anybody that doesn't understand, uh, you get that fifth year of control over that player. Uh, you've got their rights locked in a little bit longer. And if you have them under that rookie deal for a longer amount of time, if they do hit, then obviously you can build up the rest of the team around them and potentially make a Super Bowl run, much the same way that the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes and other teams have done in the past. So uh, there is a a method to the madness. But regardless, this quarterback class, not exactly standouts. Uh, We'll move from there over to cornerbacks. Uh, Every year, there are a slew of cornerbacks taken in the draft, uh, mainly because you can use them in special teams. But but especially with today's offenses, you have a lot of use out of the cornerbacks because they have to be able to defend these wide receivers. Uh, There's a reason why wide receivers are being paid as much as they are right now. Ed, uh, you and Scott both. Are, are big on the cornerbacks and going over four and a half here. Uh, it's plus 110 roundabout uh, in certain spots. I believe that's what it is over at BetUS right now. Uh, Ed, I want you to start us off here. Uh, what is your thought process on going over four and a half cornerbacks in the first round? Well, first, I mean, I tend to obsess over cornerbacks in the NFL. I think they're incredibly important in terms of coverage. Some research by PFS has shown that. I'm, I'm always obsessing over their, their cover grades over there. I think it's very important in my handicapping. And then for this uh, draft, you know, one of my key tools is, is using wisdom to crowds methods. So I'll go over to a site like grinding the mocks and, and look where, you know, players expected draft position is. And I also have my own separate set of mocks that I use. Uh, these, these are people with a track record of ac- accuracy. And um, so, so I use both of those resources, so both, both like kind of a general wisdom of crowds and then a more specific set. And in that tool, about 70% of the sharp mocks have at least four, uh, five, five or more cornerbacks going. Um, Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley are, are almost certainly going in the first round, as is probably Andrew Booth. Um, a lot of love for Kyler Gordon, uh, the Washington cornerback, to also go. So he's really the guy that a lot of the sharp mock drafters have going in the first round so that pushes me over uh four and a half cornerbacks uh you know if you get plus money there i think i think you have to like that a lot yeah, most certainly scott what are uh, what are your thoughts on this yeah i i agree i think you know there i think there's three and i i, I don't even think ed mentioned uh mcduffie who i think will go in the first round with almost certainty as well i think there's at least three for sure uh, obviously we need five here to win um but cornerback as ed said is such a high uh, 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 valued position that teams need, especially with the NFL just being such a passing league that um, if you have a chance to grab one, you're going to grab one. And if you look at the last five or six teams drafting, obviously teams can trade out and all that can change. But the last five or six teams, the majority of those teams drafting 
could very much need a cornerback. A Cincinnati Bengal team, they need a cornerback. They, they've addressed the offensive line. They could still take an offensive line uh, person in the, in the uh, position in the first round, but they addressed that a little bit in the offseason. They may deem that the cornerback position is more valuable for them at that slot. So I think there's enough teams in the back end, which is where we're going to need teams to take it to get that fourth and fifth cornerback, that I think there is some value on the over four and a half as well. And just a, a little number here, three of the last five seasons or past, uh, past five drafts, cornerback has been the most drafted position. Uh, the other two was linebacker. So uh, those are the predominant positions as far as the NFL draft goes. So it certainly does make sense. Uh, Ryan jumps in on the YouTube chat. He says, Stingley, Sauce, Booth, McDuff, there's four right there. Uh, most certainly. So now you have to hope for the back end of that first round. And I would imagine that we will get there. We will certainly get there. Let's move over to draft positions. Uh, we do have people uh, in the chat, Mark and let's see, Ryan, I believe, jumped in as well, wanting to know about the over-under four positions for Kayvon, et cetera. Uh, we will start off with Kayvon Thibodeau going under four and a half. That's Scott's best bet here. Scott, tell me what you think about Kayvon Thibodeau under four and a half on draft position. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I think three of the four first picks are likely to be defensive linemen, edge uh, rushers, uh, very likely could be the first two picks. And now you're left with a third and fourth pick, which is Houston and the Jets. Um, Houston just needs a whole lot of everything. They could certainly take something else. Uh, but like with the Jets, for example, you know, their cornerbacks aren't horrible. Could they use a cornerback? Yes. But I just think Thibodeau, uh, he's, he's just going to bring a lot more value to that team from a defensive standpoint. Um, could they take an offensive lineman there? Sure. Um, could they take a receiver? Sure. I just think Thibodeau is going to offer more value there. I just feel extremely high that three of these four first picks are going to be edge rushers. Uh, and he's really, you know, wherever you slot him, he's one of the top three edge rushers, I think. Um, and I just think there's a high, high likelihood based on team needs uh, and the position that he, he's going to go in the top four. Uh, now we'll stay with you, Scott. We'll move over to Ahmad Gardner. You know, Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. Uh, you've got him going over five and a half. And when you do look at the first five picks, like you just said, we've got the Jags, Lions, Texans, Jets, and Giants. Uh, it would make sense that somebody after those first five picks would take a cornerback because other than the Texans who need everything, I don't know that there's another uh, group out of that, the Jags, the Lions, the Jets, or the Giants, that necessarily need a cornerback in that top five. Is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, possibly the Giants, but I don't think that's going to be the first pick. I'm a little leery in this one. The market's kind of moved me against me a little bit on this one. But if, you know, I've also got Charles Cross uh, over his draft position as well. And if the um, if the Texans don't take an offense, if they take an offensive lineman, I think they're taking Neal uh, more than likely. There has been some rumblings that maybe Cross is, there, is the guy that the Giants want uh, as well. But I think Neal could possibly go to the Texans potentially. Um, and I, I don't know that the Giants would take Gardner at five. Um, they might, they, it's, it's been rumored that they want an offensive lineman extremely important to them. So I'm getting both of these picks at plus money uh, on Gardner uh, and Neil, or I'm sorry, on uh, Cross. So if one fails and the other one wins, they still win in that. So I think just the way it shakes out, three of those for, first four to go to edge, it really comes down to Houston. Uh, if they do by chance take Gardner, um, I still think the Giants would probably take Neil first. 
a little bit reliant then, of course, on Carolina and what they do. But um, I, I think there's a, a high probability that we can one, win one of those two, and they're both at plus money currently, um, which is part of the reason I, I took the one. I would take I would take both of them because I think for me, I kind of need to play both of them. I could see Houston taking Gardner. It, it certainly could happen. Like you said, they okay. they need they need positions everywhere. Gardner is is highly regarded. Uh, I'm just not sure they're going to take him at that at that spot. Not to not to interrupt, but I you know I personally have Gardner uh, third spot at ten to one. I picked that up last week and plummeted since. But you know I have heard some rumblings um, late yesterday, early this morning that Stingley could be the third pick. So you might actually win that because Stingley might jump ahead of Gardner. Some teams actually have him uh, rated higher. I don't know how true that is, but that's something that I know Matt Miller and others have talked about. So you know that would push Gardner down, obviously. So I think you'd be okay there. But um, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, I'm, that came out of nowhere, but uh, that's something I did that's, hear. Recently. That's interesting. Well, Stingley, <laughs> Stingley has a, a a really high ceiling, probably mm-hmm. a really low floor. And I don't know what BetUS has, but I know um, I think both FanDuel and DraftKings have Stingley that is a favorite at the number three pick right now. Yep. Yeah, which is, just moved today. Is very yep. new. Very that's, new. That's very new. That's certainly because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look it up as we speak. Uh, that's. <laughs> That's interesting. I had not seen that in my prep for this. Uh, while, while I'm looking this up. I, I looked it up like literally as we were jumping on today. And if you poke around, um, that hasn't necessarily been reflected in the odds for Houston and the position that they're going to pick as as their first pick. So if you poke around, uh, there's there's potentially some value there. That's- and I will tell you, you know, Nick Casario is a GM there. I, I, I'm in based in Cleveland. He's actually grew up down the street from me. So I know him a little bit, but uh, they, you know, he came from New England. They drafted cornerback really high a lot. I'm mean, now again, they were, they were drafted late in the first round, but they drafted cornerback in like seven of the, of the 10 drafts. He was there within the first two rounds. You know, they had Stefan Gilmore as a big part. So I think they really do like cornerback and Stingley, as you mentioned, Ed, has the highest upside, I think of, of the group. So, um, you know, that was an interesting one there, but, um, you know, back to Scott's, uh, you know, he's got Gardner that would definitely push Gardner up. Cause I'm not sure if anybody else would, uh, would take Gardner in the top five. So it'd be at, good for at you Bet there. US right now, third overall draft pick, uh, Gardner is the favorite at plus 275 at Stingley number two at plus 325. Mm-hmm. And after that, you've got, uh, Iquanu, Neil and Trayvon Walker at plus 400 on each of those. And Kayvon Thibodeau is plus 600. So that's uh that is interesting. These things move so quickly. We're doing this Very, on Tuesday, yep. but uh but yes, <laughs> this is so much fun to keep track of. Uh, let's let's move ahead in this uh this list of players that we're talking about. Ed, I'm gonna get you in here to talk about Kenny Pickett. When I when I bet Kenny Pickett, it was over pick ten and a half, and and I had you know minus one ten roundabout somewhere around there. Uh, now it's over thirteen and a half, and it's minus one thirty. Uh, big change here. What what exactly has happened? Obviously, we know that Kenny Pickett, the hand yeah. size thing, is something that social media likes to discuss quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, but there is there's more to this. He had one flash of a year, and the rest of it was just built, I guess, yeah. or spent building up to that. Uh, give me your thoughts on on Pickett going over pick thirteen and a half. Well, Gary, you touched on all the important points. Pickett was brilliant last year. Pittsburgh offense was relatively awful. Uh, the seasons that he played before that, he's old. I mean, he's been at Pitt. I think his this was his fifth year, which is not exactly what you want to see in your franchise quarterback coming out of the draft. Um, so I have Pickett over 12 and a half. Um, that's 
clearly moving that way, and I'm clearly going to call myself a genius for having the market move in my way, <laughs> except honestly that bet was to make up for uh, uh, a picket top 10 bet I made earlier. So if you read my newsletter, um, I had actually talked about Pickett being selected before Malik Willis. A couple weeks ago, we were all talking about Pickett going six to Carolina. Uh, he was trending upward in, in some of these tools that I look at, and then the bottom fell out, and, and he's going completely the opposite direction. So uh, I have a little bit of Pickett over 12 and a half. That's basically to, um, to hedge a little bit of the Pickett exposure I have in the other direction, which I'm pretty sure is going to lose. I don't see him getting picked at 10, 11, or 12, just because none of those teams need quarterbacks uh, or, or are likely to, to grab a quarterback there. So, um, yeah, have, uh, pick, the pick his draft stock is going way down. I'm not exactly sure yeah. why, but it's dropping. And so in, in that position there where you were talking, number nine is the Seahawks, uh, number 10, the Jets, 11 commanders who just picked up Carson Wentz not that long ago. I wouldn't imagine they would go quarterback here. The Seahawks, maybe, uh, because Pete Carroll has done some crazy things out there we, we know what the running backs and whatnot yeah. that they've taken in the first round um but also at the number 12 is the vikings i mean they still got cousins i wouldn't imagine they go with anything there they just drafted kellen mond last year uh then at 13 which uh you know the last one here would be the texans uh, and they seem again they need everything uh, i don't know why you would reach for a quarterback in this position uh but i'm with you i, I would go over the 13 and a half uh took it at 10 and a half it's moved one position Almost every day since I since I drafted him uh, last week, I would imagine we'll do the same thing. Scott, let's uh, let's move on to another one of yours. You talked about Charles Cross for a little bit over seven and a half. Uh, he's the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. Uh, you know, give me give me some rundown on this one. Over six and a half is plus one ten. Uh, do you think there's just a, a, just too many good players that might be drafted in front of him? Yeah, I think you know as I said earlier, three of the first four I think go to that edge position. Uh, Houston comes in. They could take Stingley uh, or Gardner, of course. Uh, Giants do want an offensive lineman. There has been some talk that they like Cross, so I got to worry about that a little bit. But I think Neal is probably the better lineman uh, and is probably the first offensive lineman to go. If that's the case, then we really follow Carolina. Carolina certainly could take an offensive lineman. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but they also need the quarterback uh, and. You know, there's a lot of pressure there for Carolina to do something uh, and do it sooner than later. So uh, they may take the quarterback at that spot. I also don't, you know, going back to offensive linemen, I'm not sure Houston would take them uh, because they do have a left tackle in, in Tunzel. And I don't know that you would draft an offensive lineman this high up in the draft to play right tackle. You could possibly maybe put him at right tackle and he moves over or if they get rid of Tunzel. But so I think it's less likely that Houston takes them. So now we go to the number five spot, and then it just comes down to do the Giants take Neal um, or uh, Cross? Uh, you know, if they take Cross, then obviously I lose this bet. If they don't, then it really comes down to what does Carolina do? And, and again, you know, there's still another tackle there that Carolina could take even if that happens. So it's plus money. I think there's a chance here. And like I said, kind of combining that with Gardner, I feel like I'm going to win one of those two more than likely and get something out of it. And heck, I didn't even know about the Stingley stuff. So with that happening, you know, maybe we get lucky on both those as well. Most certainly. Uh, I will go ahead and give out another one of my best bets here. Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, uh, obviously coming off of injury. That's one thing. But he's uh, safety is a position for whatever reason that has not been highly valued in the first round in quite some time. Uh, the last top 11 safety pick that we had 
was 2018, if I'm not mistaken, and that was Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, we did have Jamal Adams uh, as well at number six, um, not not too far around there. But over 11 and a half at minus 130, I still do like that uh, because I don't believe that there's a lot of teams that are looking for a safety there. Uh, and, of course, the, the position has been devalued for whatever reason. Uh, he may end up being one of the best players in this draft, but I don't believe it'll be in the top 11 and a half picks. I did take this when it was 10 and a half, uh, and it was uh, even money at that point. But, uh, but over 11 and a half, I still like that. T.A., let's get you in here. Let's talk wide receivers for a minute. You've got under 16 and a half for Chris Olave. Now, he was the talk of Ohio State's offense for multiple years now, uh, but Garrett Wilson really came on strong uh, last season and once we got into the combine, et cetera. Uh, Chris Olave, though, under 16 and a half, uh, you still feel like that's a, a good bet at minus 145. Yeah, and I know he, he's uh, his number has dropped as well. I think it was 21 a couple of weeks ago, but okay. – I like where it's at now just because you're still getting um, teams like Philadelphia and, and New Orleans who both need receivers there. But really, Alave is, is a really polished wide receiver, a great route runner. Everyone agrees with that. I mean, he blew away the combine in terms of uh, from a speed standpoint, ran under a 4-4. Nobody expected that. Uh, but really, this comes down to um, just the fact that guys like Jamison Williams and now Drake London and Garrett Wilson all could be top 10 picks or at least you know top 15 and Alave is pretty clearly the fourth receiver here. Um, Traylon Burks has dropped because of his, you know, kind of mediocre combine and some other question marks about him. So, um, and really the big thing for me is Washington sits at 11. Uh, they really need a wide receiver. And they uh, they attended his pro, the Ohio State Pro Day a handful of weeks ago. Ron Rivera notoriously never attends Pro Days unless he's really interested, I think. Auburn was like the only pro day he's attended in the last hand, you know, in his, in his career. And that was to draft uh, Cam Newton, number one. So he really, really meant business. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not something, it's something you got to pay attention to when, when a coach does something like that, he normally doesn't do. Um, and they, they only have, uh, I think one wide receiver under contract next year. Like they are desperate for wide receivers. So I think he's penciled there if uh, the other receivers are gone. Otherwise there's plenty, plenty of teams like Houston, and like I mentioned, Philadelphia, New Orleans, all before 16, uh, 16 and a half that can that can easily take him there. So uh, I think uh, I think just the way the wide receiver board is falling and then just who who's in need of, of a receiver, it, it fits. But 16 and a half is kind of the, is really the cutoff or 16, because that is I think that's New Orleans. Right. That that is the, the last team I think I'd, I'd want to go by uh, to be safe. But uh, but yeah, that one is, is one that I still like here at this number. Most certainly. Uh, we'll move on to one that I do like. That is Daxton Hill, who is the safety, but more so just a defensive back out of Michigan. Uh, I like him to be drafted in the top 32. Uh, I took it at minus 150. It's at minus 225 now. Uh, he is an all-everything player, and I don't believe that there's any way that he gets out of the first round. Uh, when you're looking at team needs, et cetera, that's one thing, but he is certainly one of the top 32 players in this draft. Uh, you could see it last year at Michigan. He was just an all-around stud. So I like Dax Hill to be drafted in the first round, even at minus 225. Ed, let's move over to you. Kyler Gordon here. Uh, you like him top 32, and it's a plus 110. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on this. Absolutely. I mean, this is related to why I think there's, there's going to be at least five cornerbacks in the first round. Uh, the kids out of Washington produce a lot of cornerbacks. 
Uh, most importantly, I mean, this is a play off of the sharp mocks that I look at. 70% of them have them in the first round. Um, that is basically impacting my cornerback bets and my liking him for plus money going in the top 32. That would make sense. Uh, I think I think the odds are actually at plus 140 right now. Uh, so I am curious okay. about that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, he is he is well worth a first-round pick. Uh, and, again, that is a position of value, especially when it comes to the first round, uh, because we know we know what positions get paid when yeah. it comes to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, in Kansas City has two picks down there. They lost the cornerback as well. I, I think every year that, that team should draft cornerbacks, uh, but they don't necessarily. Maybe, maybe this is the year. Does uh does anybody else have one that they want to toss in that I don't have on my sheet here? TA, you got an extra one that uh that you feel pretty confident in? From a player position standpoint? Yeah. Uh nothing that jumps off the page, honestly. Um, you know, I did like for a little while Jermaine, I had some Jermaine Johnson over nine and a half. You know, that's starting to move. Uh, that went to ten and a half, and now it's back to nine and a half, I believe. There were some rumblings yesterday that the Jets might be interested in Johnson at, at number four, which is just amazes me. Yeah. I'll just give you the reason why I initially thought that uh, the over made some sense. Um, and I'm not necessarily buying that hype, by the way, with the Jets. I mean, he's one of the older prospects uh, that's coveted uh, this early in the draft. And, you know, we've seen, you know, obviously there's a lot of analytically uh, focused uh, front offices that are, that are popping up here everywhere. We see you know, the Browns and the Eagles and the Ravens. And now even with the Vikings, uh, Kwesi came over from the Browns, um, you know, very analytically focused. And so, you know, age is a big factor there. So I think that pushes him down in some some models. Um, he's the one-year wonder. He transferred out of Georgia uh, to Florida State. Um, and so I thought that maybe that would push him up a little bit. I saw Peter King had him 23rd in his mock yesterday. So you know, there's a lot of variance there with him. I mean, but you could see a team like Seattle at nine, unfortunately, with their kind of old school ways. They're, you know, we know Pete Carroll's there. They 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 don't really care about analytics over there. So um, <laughs> they easily could just ignore all that and take a, a position of need and really screw everything up. But that's really the big, you know, that's the, the team that would really scare me the most. But otherwise, I think he could have a little bit of a fall just because of that one-year wonder and the, the age issue. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he had to transfer essentially out of Georgia just to just to, um, just to get, get on the field time. So, you know, there so are a lot of red flags right quick because you, you brought up Seattle at nine. Uh, the odds have been updated over at BetUS under nine and a half for Jermaine Johnson minus 150 now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. And that's because that's probably because of the the, the, the uh, rumors about him and the Jets yesterday is my guess. Every time anybody, any reporter, any analyst comes out <laughs> with a mock or any sort of nugget like that, the, you know, the lines jump immediately. So that makes total sense. That's why I would, you know, I, I would, you know, I'm not in love with it anymore, but I still think he gets pushed out of the top 10 if, you know, when, when it comes down to it, if I, if I had a choice. Uh, Scott, let me, let me get your thoughts here. Uh, we did talk about Charles Cross. That one has been updated as well. Under six and a half is now minus 150 to go over six and a half is plus 110. So it sounds like there are rumors about the Panthers possibly taking him at that six position. Uh, is there anybody else, Scott, that uh, that you feel like bringing up here? Well, the only other thing I'd play off your safety thing there, um, you, know, you could go over one and a half safeties, uh, which I think is minus 300. And I think you said, Gary, Daxton Hill in the top 32 is minus 225. Yeah. So for anybody considering that, just understand that, uh, you know, Hamilton's looks to be a lock in the first round and Hill is going to be the other guy that goes more than likely if someone goes. So if you're looking to play that one way or the other, 
probably taking Daxton Hill in the top 32 is better than going over one and a half safeties just from a pricing standpoint. Well, Lewis, uh, what Lewis sign out of Georgia? He's a, he'd be the third guy. He's he's getting some buzz late in the first round as well. But those are definitely the three guys. And the thing about Daxon Hill is he played a lot of cornerback. He played a ton of slot cornerback um, uh, with with Michigan. So that added versatility, I think, definitely jumps him into the first round. Um, a team like New England, you know, could be a perfect fit for him, for example. Or Tampa Bay, they need help in the yeah. back end. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, Scott. Maybe you can explain this to me. So with with Daxon Hill. If they announce him as a safety, then that over one and a half safeties would hit. But if they announce him as a defensive back or as a cornerback, uh, would it depend on where they draft the, the particular player? Because he's he's a do-it-all. Does any of that even matter? Boy, you know, I, I haven't even thought about that, really. I mean, I've always seen him and, and kind of thought of him as a safety. He's very versatile, like T.A. says, so I agree. Um, I'm not even sure... I, I just I gotta believe he's listed as a safety, but yeah, um, I think so. I think you're okay. Yeah, he's yeah, listed yeah. as a safety. You're okay. I, I just think the way he plays and he's yeah. got that ability, but he's officially listed as a safety, so it definitely counts. That works for me. That works for me. It's, I, I'm <laughs> but you're right. But that's the same player. thing with like if you pick a you know an edge rusher who's an outside linebacker or defensive end, you don't know. Sometimes it can be classified either way, so you do have to be careful. I mean, that's a good good point to bring up because different books could treat that differently you got to make sure you know how guys are being classified from a position standpoint most certainly uh let's do go ahead and move into uh specific players and what position they will be drafted uh as far as their position group and my bet on this one is evan neal to be the first offensive lineman drafted and i only took this because it was plus 150 and there were questions about icky kwanu the offensive tackle from NC State. Now, Evan Neal has been, uh, it, it's down to plus 125. I took it at plus 150. But he has been widely regarded as offensive lineman in this class for uh, multiple years just because of his size, uh, his athletic ability, et cetera. He's 6'7", 340 pounds, roundabout. And and he can do just about anything, anything that you need him to do. Now, Iki Kwanu, much more of a run-blocking sturdy offensive tackle it depends on what you guys uh, want him to do and that's why I took Evan Neal at plus 150 at plus 125 I still maybe see some value there because I don't know that these teams know exactly what they are going to do uh, but I, I feel like that's value because I don't know uh, there are limitations with Equanu and and while there are limitations with Evan Neal as well uh, I do think that there's value in it may just be a toss-up like, we could get Evan Neal at number one. It's doubtful, but it's possible. Uh, and that would hit uh, a couple of different things for me <laughs> with that. Uh, Ed, yeah, I see on here that you like uh, the punt god for the first special teams draft. <laughs> tell me tell me about Matt Areza. Yeah, Matt Areza uh, is, is the punt god. I think I first heard of him when, when they had that ESPN cover story on ESPN.com. I think this is a perfect example of how I like to bet this. You see a market come out on special teams players. That's not something a lot of people care about. I went through um, and I basically looked up every six round draft I could find. Uh, I looked at a couple of, of, of uh, you know, wisdom of crowds tools. I couldn't find a single one that didn't have him as a top special teams player. There's a couple place kickers that, that are going to be around. He's probably what third, third, fourth round pick. Yeah. Um, I bet him at minus 115. I thought, I think I saw a minus 400 this morning. 
So it, it's a, it's a, you know, the books are going to put things out this week on some lesser known players. And I think that's really where you can find some value betting this draft. Most certainly. Uh, I do want to jump over to you, TA. Uh, we'll talk about team selections here. Uh, I'm seeing you like the Browns to draft a wide receiver. Uh, tell me, tell me your thoughts on that one. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm basically when I know this, uh, I think I know this franchise pretty good. Um, and this, these team selections are one of my favorites. Uh, last year I had the Browns taking a defensive back that was plus 400 and they, they took Greg Newsom. It was crazy. It was like the third or fourth highest uh, position group on the board. And that was, I thought all along the number one need, they don't pay much attention to the to this stuff. So you can, you can pick off some, some good, uh, uh kind of team, uh, position groups, but you know, the Browns have two real needs. It's edge rusher and it's wide receiver. Uh, they've got Amari Cooper at receiver, but that's about it. They don't really have much behind them. Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of a number three, number four. They've got a big need there. They did not resign Jarvis Landry. So, um, again, big need for them at, at 44 uh, receiver. They, you know, thinking about edge rusher, defensive line would be the other one, and that is also plus money. But, you know, they've got Jadavian Clowney sitting out there who, you know, there are rumors that they are kind of on the on the verge of uh, resigning, and he always waits till the last minute, you know, waits till summertime uh, to resign. So that might just be one of those things where they're just, they don't want to tip their hand, so they're waiting till after the draft to, to announce that signing. Uh, but they've also, they've traded for Chase Winovich and, and signed a couple other rotational guys. So at worst case, they're, they're okay there. Uh, so to me, it, it's a clear need at wide receiver. Um, there's really nobody, no other position on the board. I mean, cornerback, they're loaded. Offensive line, they've got one of the best in, in the NFL. They don't, you know, they're analytically focused, so they don't, they're not going to draft a, a, an off-ball linebacker uh, early. Their safety position is filled. They won't draft a running back high. They don't need a quarterback. So, like, all those positions are filled, so it's really receiver. So, I got it at, at plus 350. I think it's down to 250 now. I, I would take that all the way down to, to plus 100, to be honest with you. I, I'm stunned that's not, not the favorite. Uh, eventually, it will be, I'm sure, but... Um, but to me, that's, that's one, even if they trade down uh, to me, that's, it's going to be either receiver edge rusher. And I think receiver, uh, clearly is the favorite. So I, I like that there. Now you mentioned them trading down. Is there any chance that they actually trade up to try and get back into that first round to get one of these, uh, mm-hmm. one of these highly ranked wide receivers? You know, unfortunately, because of all the, the draft capital they traded for Deshaun Watson, it's really hard for them to, to continue to, to use that. And again, it's, you know, I know they're, they're kind of going for it now, but that's not in their MO to really trade up substantially. I mean, if they had to move up a couple spots, I could see them doing that, but they just don't have the draft capital to really risk um, moving up uh, that high. So I think it's either stay where they are and get a guy like a George Pickens or a Sky Moore um, or trade down and, and go for, you know, a high athletic younger guy uh, like a John Mechie or a Alec Pierce. Those are some names that, that pop up. Um, but yeah, I, I just think wide receivers clearly the number one on their list. Now that does make sense. Uh, as far as another team that is looking at a wide receiver, uh, you have Washington to draft wide receiver. Their first selection, I think you got it at plus 125. Uh, give me your thoughts there on what the commanders are going to do. Yeah, and I talked about it with the Olave pick. Uh, it's clear they, they've got Terry McLaurin, nobody else uh, opposite him. they got Curtis Samuel, who next year they can cut, and it, there's like no dead money on the book, so it's probably his last year there. They've got nobody uh, under contract next year, and that's one of the things I like to look at positional spend to some of these teams next year uh, 
yeah, a crater in terms of, uh, you know, what, what, who's under contract for, for a following season, you can kind of get a clue as to, you know, potentially what they're looking at in terms of position. So that's where Washington is. And, you know, Terry McLaren's not even uh, under contract next year, and he wants a long-term extension. And who knows, he may request a trade this year or next year. We don't know. So that alone, you know, makes it really worth it. And then they're right in that zone of Garrett Wilson, um, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave and uh, Drake London, like all of those guys are going to be in play. And like I said, Ron Rivera was at the Ohio State um, Pro Day. They've been to all the wide receiver Pro Days. It's just all of the signs point to wide receiver. You know, the only other caveat, the only other guy who might step in would be like a Kyle Hamilton because they do have some safety issues. But I think wide receiver is too much of a need. And those prospects are just way too good to pass up. So to me, anything above, you know, even, even or above, I think is fine uh, for Washington and wide receiver. That does make sense. Uh, gentlemen, I think it is time for us to go ahead and jump into our recaps, uh, unless anybody has another one that they want to toss out. Anybody? You know, Gary, the only other one I'd throw out there, and we can kind of uh, wrap it into the recaps, but uh, Jets' first pick is uh, even money on the defensive lineman. If you like Thibodeau under four and a half, but you're laying 270, you know, the first two picks are probably not, not going to be Thibodeau. You know, Houston's a question mark, obviously. There's some risk in doing that. But the, the reward uh, by taking that risk is you save the minus 270, you get it even money. Because if Thibodeau is going to go on the first four, very likely to be with the Jets as well. So that would be one other way you could play that as well, possibly. That's a smart move. Look for the value in uh, maybe making the, the same bet just in a different spot, right? So Jets taking the defensive lineman uh, minus, uh, would you say it was? It was even money? It's even money. So there's obviously risk, right? Because he could go oh, yeah. three and then you're screwed and all that. Uh, the question really becomes, do you want to save the minus 270 to take that risk or you take something that, uh, you know, opens up all four slots for you at the minus 270? And I'll, I'll jump in with another one, Gary, if you don't mind. Yeah, uh, another team one that I saw right before we, we jumped on. Uh, Arizona to, to take an offensive lineman with their first selection. I got it at plus 500. I think you can find it um, at least plus 300 everywhere. Hopefully it hasn't steamed out after I took it. But uh, that one, I mean, they again, similar to Washington, they've got literally nobody on the books from the offensive line perspective um, under contract next year except for their center, Rodney Hudson. Uh, none of their tackles or guards are even under contract. It's it's barren. They're not a great offensive line to begin with. The right side of the line is horrible. Um, they've got to uh, protect Kyler Murray. Uh, so I think that's going to be one position group that they're really interested in. You know, there are some national analysts who are really tied into specific teams, and one of them is Peter Schrager. He's really tied into the NFC West. He does all those. He does all those podcasts with those coaches, and he's actually picked the uh, correct player with the Cardinals two straight years in the first round. Um, and he has uh, the guard Zion Johnson out of Boston College going to uh, Arizona this year. Um, I haven't seen his most updated mock, but that's a that's a that was a strong clue for me on top of everything else. So. You know, they could go receiver to satisfy Kyler Murray, but um, that's only if uh, you know a guy like Jamison Williams drops, which I doubt. I think offensive line um, is, is great value at that, you know, plus 300 or above. Like I said, I got a plus 500, so I think that's that's a really nice bet there. That's a, that's a good thing to point out. They are draft pick number 23 in the first round. Uh, why you should not pay attention to NFL.com and what they list as the needs for this team, uh, because they have linebacker, wide receiver, and cornerback. Uh, but when you really dig into the weeds the way that you just did, that does make sense, right? They they need offensive line help. Uh, at draft pick number 23, uh, an offensive lineman may make a lot more sense as opposed to...
receiver left at that position, et cetera. So uh, especially with the Cardinals drafting after the Packers, if they did want to get a wide receiver, uh, maybe the Packers don't take Burks, maybe something like that. But at that point, you've probably already got five wide receivers off the board. So, yeah, that uh, that would make sense. Plus 300. Okay. I do yeah, like and, and the other thing, I mean, linebacker, they drafted two straight years. They've drafted yeah. a linebacker in the first round. I can't imagine they're going to do that again. Um, and like I said, they're going to get Hopkins back. Uh, so, you know, that's going to help. Uh, they've drafted receivers, I think, in the second round almost every year. So, you know, at some point, they're going to just kind of stop taking receivers really high. Uh, but, you know, they've got Rondell Moore there. So, you know, they do have other uh, other pieces. So, like I said, that's the only other option. And at the end of the day, even if that's a coin flip between receiver and, and O-line, I mean, if you get plus 300 or above, it's tremendous value to take okay. a shot. So, oh, plus, so. plus 375 right now. Plus what is it? 375. That's not bad. That's a good number. Ed, how about you? Have you got uh, you got anything else that you're itching to toss out there for us? I mean, I think I'll probably just end with just a little bit more thoughts on process. I mean, these books are going to continue yeah. to come out with different markets this week, and they'll probably be pretty weak when they first come out until guys like Scott and TA beat them into place. So, you know, just this is a fun week to just be flipping on your phone and, and looking at all your uh, all the different books that you have. Uh, it's a really great way to f find value, uh, you know, lean on these guys on the show. And um, I think you'll find a lot of value between now and uh, Thursday at 8 p.m. I mean, Ed's right. Like, if you just pay attention to Twitter, I mean, once you get a nugget out there, you can just run to your – I mean, it's they're so slow to, to adjust. You can beat the lines very, very easily. So uh, just pay attention to Twitter the next couple of days. You know, anytime a, a respected analyst comes out with a strong nugget or a strong, you know, suspicion that makes sense, then – you know, feel free to jump on it. I think you can, you can get really good value. This isn't like a game line where, you know, it's very efficient. These are very inefficient markets uh, at this point. So you have plenty of uh, ability to beat the books by getting early. And so long as you're paying attention, because eventually yeah, exactly. the lines will move, uh, as, as we have seen right. from last week to this one. But uh, but you're right. Yeah, they uh, it does take a little bit to figure out whether or not the rumors or the talk is substantiated. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump into our recaps here. Ed, I'm going to let you start us off here. Uh, give us your best bets for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably the two that I that I feel best about are the cornerback positions uh, over four and a half. We get plus money. Four and a half cornerbacks in the first round. You still get plus money there, and then Kyler Gordon going in the first round. Uh, these are based on the the set of sharp mocks that I look at. Um, and then you know, Matt Ariza is the first uh, special there as, as there was when I got it at minus 115 as well. Um, but uh, I think there's value there. To your best bets for Thursday night, uh, what are you going to take? Uh, yeah, and there we go. Uh, I'm with Ed on this. I think the cornerback's over 4.5 plus 110. I think that's an excellent value. That position is just so highly valued that I think we have an excellent chance there. Same thing with the quarterbacks here, under three and a half minus 270. There's really probably four teams that really need quarterbacks. And to me, there's only three really that have a, a solid chance of going in the first round. Uh, in Thibodeau, under four and a half uh, minus 230. I just think uh, there's going to be at least three edge players taken in those first four picks. And Thibodeau is one of those best three. Uh, and then the Gardner, over five and a half, and Charles Cross, over six and a half. Um, those have all both kind of moved against me. But I think both of them com combine, as I said earlier, one is least is likely to happen. 
And now with you guys saying Stingley, you know, might be the third pick that I like that a lot more now on Gardner. If that actually happens, it'll give us a chance to possibly collect on both. And again, if we go one out of two, we're going to make some money on, on those bottom two. Now that does make sense. TA, uh, I like your picks. Let's go ahead and let you read off what your best bets are. Yeah, the first running back, uh, or sorry, first round running backs under a half uh, is probably my favorite. I know you got to lay a lot of juice, but there's this not many scenarios where there's a running back taken in round one. Uh, Alave under 16 and a half. I still think there's there's a ton of teams that um, could be in position uh, in that range to take take a receiver. And then the two team um, drafts, I think the Browns uh, taking a, a wide receiver first. Um, I see it's down to 200. I, I still like it. I think anything at, you know, essentially even money or above um, is really good value. Uh, so between the two, um, you know, commanders and Browns, is probably more of my favorite, but uh, I think all of those make a lot of sense. All right. And then we will close out with my best bets on this. Uh, and I may have a few here. Trayvon Walker to go number one overall. It's uh, minus 225 now. You know, I, I got it at plus money. I still like it. I think I think it's a move that Balky would make. Uh, so I'm going to take that at minus 225. First round running backs, I agree with TA, minus 260, under one half running back. Uh, again, I just don't see how a fir- or how a running back goes in the first round unless something crazy ends up happening with trades. Uh, Kenny Pickett over pick 13 and a half, minus 130. I do like that one. Uh, Evan Neal as the first offensive lineman drafted. I think that position is up in the air. Uh, Iki Kwanu or Evan Neal, I- I'm getting odds with the one that everybody really liked for the last three years. I will I will take the plus 125. First round quarterbacks under three and a half. I agree with Scott on this one. Uh, minus 270. It's a it's a high price, but this is not a good quarterback class. Uh, I don't know of anybody that will reach for that, but maybe towards the end of the first round, you might have somebody trade back in that might end up happening. I don't foresee it. I, I don't know anybody that would reach for these guys. Kyle Hamilton safety over pick 11 and a half is minus 130. Uh, safety, just a position that has been devalued over the last four or five years for whatever reason. Uh, Daxton Hill, top 32. He's a safety, but he's versatile. I expect him to go in the first round, minus 225. Still a decent price for him to go in the first round. Those are the best bets for the BetUS NFL Draft Show. This has been a lot of fun, gentlemen. I uh, want to remind everybody to head over to BetUS and make sure that you sign up. It is where the game begins Tons of options. We gave you some of our best bets, but there are a lot more on the board. Again, like TA said, pay attention to Twitter, pay attention to your social media, all the different news outlets. Find the journalists that you respect, that you know have ties, and pay attention. See what you can get before Thursday night when this thing kicks off. Uh, It's going to be an absolute blast. Gentlemen, I certainly appreciate you all for joining me. I think we are going to have a blast this fall once we get the NFL show kicked back in. But, uh, but Thursday night's going to be a lot of fun. With that said, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. You guys have a wonderful NFL draft, and we'll see you all again very soon.